Yeah. I can't hear you because you're not in the... I have a ton on Bugsy Siegel. Yeah, if you want to watch yeah. a movie, I got uh, Bridge on the Suck Off Guys, some Kurosawa. I got this. It's basically just... Uh, what's that Shakespeare movie where the guy's pissed off because somebody killed his dad? Othello? <laughs> not Othello. <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Caitlin. Or Much Ado? No. What's the Shakespeare movie where the guy's pissed off that his dad's dead? It's Hamlet. It's just Hamlet with chips. So you got that. And then you got Stray Dog, where a guy loses his gun and has to go find it. So I got some of those. We also have the uh, the old Howard the Duck. True. I don't know how long oh, that yeah. is, though. That See what the running time of that is, because I don't know if I want to commit two and a half hours. I made that mistake last night with watching The Great Gatsby. Keelan and I watched it because we're going to go see Elvis this weekend. And I wanted, I was like, let me submerge myself in Boz Lerman. And visually, it was cool. Like, the, the guy knows how to make a visual montage yeah. look really nice. But goddamn, does that book suck. And I'm just saying the book because, like, the story of the film was, I, I would assume, pretty accurate. Because it, it's, I seem to remember pretty much everything that happened. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just basically about a guy who's around while other people are getting pussy. Yeah, like, I... I mean, you obviously you. It sounds like you what you saw it and, and read it. I read it in high school. You read it in high school, and then I watched the Sam, what's his name? He was on uh, Law and Order. Sam Waterston was mm-hmm. in the movie. I think so was uh, Redford, Robert Redford. Robert Redford. I think he was in it too. Maybe I'm thinking. Maybe I'm getting two of them confused. But we watched it in class, and I thought it was lame back then. It was really fucking boring. It's just like I said. It's a guy who's hanging out while other people are. Like partying and fucking. Yeah, I never, I, I never understood what the actual plot was. Granted, I'm, I haven't. I can break bothered. it. Down. I can break it down for you. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald in real life was in love with a woman, and he didn't have enough money to like marry her because back then, I guess that was like a thing. His dad was like, "Don't marry a rich girl because you're fucking poor." He was like, "Okay," so he signs up and he goes and fights in World War One, and he hears that she got married to a rich guy. And then for the rest of his life, he like pined after her. So he wrote a book about Gatsby, who's basically like a, a stand-in character for him, who's this perfect man in every way, and he's he, he has a fortune and he's mysterious and he's cool. He's like it's like a total self-insert character, you know. That's gross. Yeah, and then and then the audience surrogate is the other guy, the main character, who's like the whole book is just like, wow, this guy's awesome, and I bet he fucks good. And like the and he's just like watching him be super cool and virtuous and awesome. And the mistake that the I don't know if the book does this, but I know the movie does it, but they solve the mystery of how he became Gatsby in like the middle of it. Where I don't know, I think it would be more interesting to let that ride and let the let the reader or the viewer imagine yeah. how Gatsby got to be Gatsby. And that makes him more interesting and like unpredictable. But then when you figure it out, it's like, oh, because he just like he, he it's, it all takes place on Long Island. He rows his boat out to a little yacht that's caught in a squall and he gets on it and, and he's, he saves a guy's life and the guy turns out to be a billionaire. And again, again, this is like a total self. And then yeah. I, uh, I, I, I helped a guy out of a car and it was Harry Potter as a baby and I <laughs> saved his life and he and his parents said that I could be his godparent or you know it's like he's he's a billionaire and he tells everybody he's he's the son and then he tries to get the inheritance 
But then everybody else, all his kids come and like try to get the inheritance, but somehow he grabs it. And then he just gets, and everybody, the rest of the book just gets hammered and drives Duesenbergs at like 90 miles an hour down the Queensboro Bridge. And if for some reason they play like Jay Z songs in the new one, and just, the, whole thing, the whole thing sounds weird. It's just, it's such, visually, again, it looks really tight. There's like one funny scene where the guy who, Joel Egerton, I think is his name, the guy who plays. Uncle Owen in the, in the newer in the, stuff. In the, the yeah, 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 the yeah. newer stuff, yeah. And uh, he goes to his side piece's house, and he brings Tobes, Toby Maguire, with him, <laughs> who's, and, and he's he's married to Toby's cousin. And Toby's also got this weird, like, pseudo-sexual relationship with his cousin, who's played by Carrie Mulligan, who's terrible. And <laughs> I've only liked her in one thing. It was Inside Lewin Davis, which is a really great movie. Mm-hmm. It was a great Cohen movie. And because she just plays a complete, just an absolute bitch. And, <laughs> and I'm like, knocked it out of the park on that one. Yeah, no, the, he he's over there, and they're, like, all partying and stuff. And there's, like, they have one black friend who has no lines, but he plays trumpet. And he just like gets out on the uh, on the fire escape and starts playing trumpet. And he's like, Toby Toby McGuire is like looking through all the windows, and he's like wide eyed, like, "Wow, the city's beautiful." And it's just like this New York City that never existed. Just this was Fitzgerald racist. I'm sure oh, a thousand percent probably. Like, yeah, I want to have Louis Armstrong in my yeah exactly in my it, book. But Kaylin told me Kaylin told me there was a thing about how his wife allegedly wrote. Everybody was like, that's what they say about everybody. They're like, did you know Einstein's wife told him to stick his tongue out for that picture and she came up with the yeah. fucking equation? It's like, no, shut up. No, she didn't. She did the dishes while he figured it out. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not every, you can't take all our great men, you know? Pat Nixon was a great woman, but you know what she did? She stood by and didn't say anything out of line while her husband dealt with fucking whatever the hell he did. They always... Uh, say afterwards, like anytime they say a fact like that, it's like behind yeah. every great man oh, yeah, is a yeah, great yeah. woman. Bitching. <laughs> yeah, so I hated that movie, uh, but I, I hate watching it till the end because I remembered how it ends. And um, one of the side characters uh, ends the movie with a bullet. Uh, he shoots Leonardo DiCaprio in the back because of some. It's one of those things where the there's a plot element set up only to have a payoff. It's like one of those cheap, like, they switch cars for no reason Yeah. in the beginning of the story. So when the Joel Egerton guy goes by and Gatsby's Duesenberg, the woman who he's cheating on his wife with sees him in the yellow Duesenberg. And then later on, after they leave the city, Gatsby's back in his Duesenberg. Carrie Mulligan's driving. And the woman who Joel Egerton's cheating on his wife with runs out to try to stop him. And Gatsby and Carrie Mulligan just fucking, just fucking cream her into the fucking pavement, like just like splits her open, and 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 then the the guy thinks it was Gatsby because it was Gatsby's car, so he goes to kill Gatsby, and he floats in the pool, Sunset Boulevard style, and uh, and and then that, uh, that was the most yeah boring way to it's do that. So trope dumb, yeah, fucking ever. And they and they never let anything hang with tension or like one person knows not saying anything. Everybody at a certain point sits down and goes, no, they, they all figured out in the room in that moment. Gatsby was driving. I was driving his car earlier. I have a blue car. Oh, and they, they, they tell you. They like tell you everything. Yeah, it's like they don't let anything, they don't let the tension boil, you yeah. know? They don't give it any time to like let the, like the audience to notice it themselves. Yeah. That's, that's, oh, that's it sucks. 
That yeah. sucks. Yeah, it, it's a bad book. I, I think he only wrote like one thing and then Hollywood paid him to just sit around. I don't know. I might be f- mixing that up with just the character from Barton Fink that's played by Fraser's dad, who's I think supposed to be like Hemingway or something. Where they would just back when they were just first started making movies in Hollywood, there'd be a Hollywood producer that'd be like, write us a story about a boxer. And then uh, he'd be like, I don't know anything about boxing. I'm, I know bullfighting. And he's like, you know, we'll just change it around. Like they didn't know how to write movies back then. They just knew people wrote books and movies had scripts and scripts were kind of like books. So they just pay a writer to do that. And they do that today. Yeah, they do that today. <laughs> so, yeah, like Hemingway, that's how Hemingway made a shitload of money. And, you know, that's how he just spent the last half of his life. Uh, pretending he wasn't gay in the Keys with a bunch of cats <laughs> until he ran out of the ability to pretend he wasn't gay and he heroically died like a man with by shooting himself in the head with a shotgun. <laughs> so in his two story two part house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he. Po- I hope he left food out for the cats. I, well, I guess he would have been the food. He would have been the he food been the until food. like someone noticed, and then yeah. Now there's. Like a there's, whole sanctuary that yeah. inbreeds them. Yeah. I think there's a there's a cat called a Hemingway cat. I don't know if he had anything to do with it, but they're weird looking. They have like extra, they have polydactylous, polydactyl feet, and they make like a <laughs> noise yeah. instead of a meow. Uh, they have six toes. Yeah. I had a roommate who had one. He was tight. He was awesome. I think his name was like Winston <laughs> or Watson or something like that. He was a cool guy. He would always sit in the same exact spot, like a gargoyle, every single day. He'd turn around and he'd just give you one of those. <laughs> I'm really glad I'm not a smart person. Like I'm glad I'm a dumb guy because I never have to worry about like accidentally inventing a water-powered car and you know, <laughs> getting suicided. Did you look into On that accident? at all? Yes. Yeah. I didn't look into it uh too much. I I did a, an exact Google search of invention of just water-powered car. Yeah. And the uh like the Google fed answer that it which gave is me. which yeah which is like what they want you to know it, it is but yeah. i i found it kind of funny yeah uh where it says uh i don't know if this is the same guy that like you have i don't know if there's a different invention of the water-powered car where he died but snopes.gov.cia tells you <laughs> that it's yeah. um but uh, charles h garrett allegedly, that's the one yeah yeah allegedly demonstrated a water-fueled car Quote, for several minutes, unquote. Yeah. Which was reported on September 8th, 1935. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it went that back that far. The one I was thinking was, it was a guy who had a dune buggy and he drove it cross country on like one tank of gas, on one tank of water. And and <laughs> allegedly, you know. Yeah. And then he went to go sign papers with these guys that were going to invest in it and they were out to lunch and he orders a cranberry juice, which is kind of weird. You definitely have some What's the matter? urinary on, infection. You on your period? He orders a cranberry juice, takes like one sip, grabs his throat, runs outside, goes, oh my God, they poisoned me, they poisoned me, and then <laughs> dropped dead. And the coroner ruled it a brain aneurysm. And, he, and he's like, that's, you know, because he had high blood pressure, it was a brain aneurysm. And his brother was like, nah, he was murdered. And usually, here's why I think it really was a brain aneurysm. Usually when somebody gets suicided, the family will come out and say, there was definitely no foul play. Uh, It's totally plausible that my husband drove his car two towns over 
and flipped it into a ravine and shot himself in the back of the head 37 times. That's completely within his character because like, I feel like people would have got to them and like either paid him off or been like, eh, it would suck if something happened to you, you know? But if the people who keep harping on about like, no, he was murdered, he was murdered, he was murdered. Those are the people that I think are like, you know, that he probably wasn't murdered. Um, And then some people say that the technology doesn't work. And that's the thing, the patents are still out there. You can Google a patent for the thing that he, like, this guy didn't like look at the drawings and, and the schematics and stuff of how he made it. Yeah. And people say that they, like, they can't get it to work or whatever. And I think the, um, if there is like a dark cabal of people that are murdering people for creating, uh, you know, like alternative fuel resources, I think they've just kind of like taken a step back and let nature take its course. I saw a video the other day of this guy who looked like Phil Tippett, just this crazy long beard. And he's, he's in a go-kart in the desert or like, maybe it was like in Iowa, just, just an empty flattened out field. And he's in a propane powered jet car. And there's like a little, like a five gallon propane jug behind him. And there's also these three Mario Kart looking <laughs> just exhaust things with jet streams just shooting out of them as fast as can. And he's, he's, it's going well for like the first like, you know, minute almost. And then you start to see them get like red and then white hot. <laughs> and, and then he, and then the flames just start shooting out of the back of them. And then he realizes what's happening. He looks back and he's like, Oh shit. And he's like trying to hit the, uh, the shut off valve. Yeah. And, um, I'm like, yeah, that guy will blow himself up in like, I don't know, a day and a half uh, of, if you just leave him to his own devices. Yeah. So I feel like people are like, you know, and if you also told somebody like, look what happened with the electric car. The only thing that happened when they said, oh, the electric car is here. And they're like, it looks gay. And nobody <laughs> wanted to buy it. It's the, it's the same people that like, you know, uh, if you told people there's like a new cool kind of gun that runs off of batteries, but still shoots bullets. Every redneck in the world would be like, no, nah, that shit ain't for me, man. Like <laughs> they like the old fashioned, you know, Woodstock rifles and stuff. Like yeah. they want a V8 engine, you know, with a. You know, the, the camshafts or whatever the fuck. I don't know cars, but I'm not a car guy. But they went the loud, rumbly. Yeah, they wanted as much gargle as a yeah. Pornhub website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I don't think they have to worry about. Yeah, people will always be stoked on regular gasoline cars, you know, yeah. especially. Did you see like the Teslas that are catching on fire? No. It's like, a, I mean, okay. So, the way that the Tesla batteries work, as far as I know, it's a big lithium ion battery, the same as is in the cell phones. And it's the it's gonna end just like those like fucking Samsung that's what I'm saying. It's batteries like, where they just explode out of nowhere. It's the floorboard. The floorboards of the car is a battery. That's mm-hmm. the size of the bat it's a cell phone battery the size of the floorboard of your vehicle. Holy shit. So yeah, I mean there was <laughs> if you get a good battery, lithium ion battery, best case scenario, it takes you till your next contract worst case scenario it kind of bloats out a little bit and yeah. then your your iphone starts going from like 99 to like two percent in like 10 minutes worst case scenario you buy it from some like weird off-brand chinese company where they're also making like i don't know like uh belts in simpsons cartoons in the same sweatshop <laughs> and like the there's no like quality control and it's like that story of the person who went to the hogwarts place and he was on the train ride mm-hmm. and he had a vape and it got really hot and he threw it and it exploded and they had to evacuate the whole park because they thought it was like a terrorist attack because <laughs> it's like oh it's good no it got hot in my hand and then the whole cab of the car smelled like fruit loops <laughs> because it was my dumb vape you know 
Sorry, Dan. Uh, Dan has a good uh, vape, I guess, whatever. His girlfriend got him a nice one, which I thought was a very funny gift. It's like, here's a good vape. Here's a nice vape for you. I mean, your girlfriend got you a nice pipe. Come I know. On. I stopped smoking it. Did I tell you? No. I, I quit smoking completely. Oh, good Yeah, when I got, when I got uh, a certain virus mm-hmm. that has been known to a take some people out for a while. And demonetize some of those videos. Yes, exactly. When you mention it even by name. Let's just say a Far Eastern uh, it, respiratory infection <laughs> was the inspiration for me to quit smoking. I was like, I'm not going to be able to, I, I can't smoke while I have this. So here's like a good week and a half of me not smoking it. So this is like, yeah, I'm donezo. I officially don't have any vices except for sugar, fast food, pornography, <laughs> uh, lots of video games. Alcohol. Um, uh, uh, sometimes alcohol. And I don't like wine anymore either. That fucks up my stomach. Yeah. I never really liked wine. Yeah. Like, it's, it's basically got to be grape juice. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. <laughs> I like a dry wine. And beer sucks. Like, beer, beer. sucks dick. It's the Craft worst. Craft beer can suck on my ball sack, too. I had someone say where, uh, like... Like you just really need to power through beer to no. like it, and just it's like no, no it makes you fucking do that. Fat, fat as fucking shit. Yeah, no, if you have to like power through it to like it, it's not good. And I hate, I don't want it to be like my personality either. Like, I really like craft yeah. beer. You end up being like that guy, the ice cream taster in that video. <laughs> Every time you like take a sip, it's like nobody wants to hang out with that guy. No, you know? like, oh, this has notes of. Elder cherries. Yeah, I would rather be Paul Giamatti from Sideways, where he's just de- a depressed writer and, you know, drinking out of the spit back thing because they won't pour him a full glass. <laughs> and he's just drinking you know, another, just they keep giving him tastes. And he's like, yeah, it's a fucking good movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but I've been, I've been culturing myself with the Criterion Collection lately. Uh, and I can't wait to go and just apparate in front of your girlfriend at Barnes and Noble <laughs> and say, I've come for the DVDs. And I hear I get a deep discount <laughs> promo code. I've got a gun to Drew's head, <laughs> and uh, and then I'm gonna get I'm, I'm gonna get Devil in the Blue Dress, Parasite, yeah, Raging Bulls hitting it. I'm not gonna get it yet. I'm gonna wait on that one. Every time I sit down to watch a move a Scorsese movie, I'm like, I'll be eating dinner. I'll be like, I'll just watch the first couple scenes of this, and, and the next thing I know, I'm like, wow, that was a. Uh, that was three and a half hours. Yeah. I just spent because <laughs> he sets up scenes so well. It's like every like a, a great scene in a Scorsese movie. The scene that happens right before it reminds you of what's about to happen. Yeah, like it was. I was watching The Irishman last night, and it's the scene when he goes to Bobby Cannavale's house, and he pulls up, and he's like, "Where's the money?" And he's like, the, "He said he didn't have it." He's like, "Oh, well, let me guess. He said his mother's sick, or his mother died. The funeral set him back." And he's like, "Yeah, that's what he said." And he's like, "All right, hang on a second. I was like, oh." This is the part where he shows up and tells the guy to get in the fucking car and then takes him to see Cannavale and punches him in the stomach like three times. Swear on your mother? <laughs> Swear on your mother? I was like, I'm going to see that. So I just let that ride. You know, and just it, it, those movies just compl- just you, you can't take your eyes off of them because you're yeah. like, ooh, the, this next good part is coming up next. Like like the, the amount of times that I've watched Goodfellas, it's like, all right, I'll just like make it to... Like the, the where Lorraine the, Bracco starts doing her monologues, yeah, yeah. Or, or or just till like the end of the first scene, or like until we yeah. catch up with the story. And next thing I know, Ray Liotta is freaking about about coke and being paranoid about the cops. <laughs> that's like the that's where the movie gets awesome too, because the movie is amazing up to like start to finish. But yeah, when it, uh, the scenes I always want to watch are Ray Liotta beating up her neighbor across the street. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, go get your fucking shine box. 
Billy when they kill Billy Bats. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the that's like the the scene of the movie. Yeah. And then I always want to watch De Niro's reaction to learning that Pesci's dead, when he's in the phone booth. Oh, yeah, and like, then like flips shit. It just the camera just just trucks right up to him, and he just starts beating the shit out of the payphone booth and crying at the same time. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. There's like even the scenes that are like not my favorite are still beautiful. Like it is a perfect movie. Speaking of which, another perfect movie. And I know we were talking about. I watched it again the other night. Is Harry Curry? Harry Curry, whatever. Oh, dude, it's it's like one of my top five now. It's my favorite movie about suicide. <laughs> It's so fucking cool. And it's like, it's cool because it's one of those movies that takes place in like one area. It's like one set. Yeah. There's like two or three sets and then they do a couple of flashbacks to very simple also sets, like a hovel and a fucking cemetery. That's like the best scene in the movies and they have that awesome duel and he totally disrespects that guy by cutting off his top knot. And then the, and then the sweet fight at the end where he just, you know, nobody can kill him so they have to use cheat codes and bring in the long rifles. And shoot him, and then he still guts himself. It's fucking sweet. And, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that it was like, I was like, he just like me, because uh, he couldn't afford health care. That's, like, the whole reason <laughs> why the guy's son wanted to go uh, act like he was going to kill himself, to try to get some money to help his sick kid. There's a lot of, uh, like, old, what are, what are they? Like, like the, they're from that the was 30s like the, and 40s, well, right? Well, that one was from the 60s. The 60s. Yeah, that so was, like, like widescreen had just started popping off. It's, so like, between, like, the... F- I would say like the the forties and the the sixties, the, the Japanese government is a huge enemy in like <laughs> most every movie. Well, yeah, it was about like the time right after the, the, the they were like we love war and there's no work anymore. Yeah, we're just Ronins now, and they try to bluff their way into getting on the payroll at one of these castles by being honorable and saying that they're going to kill themselves. And as a a move to be a dickhead. They like call his bluff and they make him gut himself on a bamboo sword that he only has because he pawned his other swords to try to get money to help his sick kid. And it's like that story works today because healthcare still sucks balls. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like I, was like, all, I, I relate to balls. this. I, I completely relate to this guy's situation. You know, it taught me a lot about like framing. They got so much mileage out of like, like I said, like two or three sets mm-hmm. where there was such striking, wide shots that just that utilize the entirety of that widescreen where I'm coming off of watching a couple of Kurosawa's and they're all in like not four by three, but they're the, they're not widescreen. They're like one, one to 33 to one or whatever the yeah. aspect ratio is. And they're, you know, they're beautifully composed and everything like that, but you just, it's so much more of a beautiful composition you can get out of a widescreen frame. Yeah. And like, watch, that's why I got more you can do. Like you just yeah. simply have more. Especially in black and white, it was stuff that shot for black and white and also being widescreen. Yeah. Just a treat for the eyes, you know. People say IMAX is tight because it's, you know, because it's got the top and the bottom of the frame and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. but that's like basically watching something 16 by 9. Yeah. You know, when you have that, the cinemascopic widescreen Lawrence of Arabia aspect ratio, every inch of it is just fucking gorgeous and well thought out. Yeah. And, and, it's, and you think about how they have to stage that stuff and you know, plan that stuff out. It just, it's core, It's perfect, man. It's like perfect in every way. I think that's something that I do miss with like movie releases that are coming out today is that there's not a lot of that. There's always, like you said earlier, like you don't have to, in, in those movies, you don't have to look at every fucking inch of the screen to yeah. see, like to get something or to um, notice. It's like, oh, they did this 
Neat little trick that references earlier, whatever the fuck. I mean, yeah. most of it's like Easter eggs, references, whatever the fuck. We're just angles. Yeah. Leading lines. It creates visual interest and leads your eye to go to a certain area. And then, you know, you have two people on either side of the frame that are about to face off and they're very far away from each other. And in the middle of them, all there is is a windswept hillside. And, yeah. it, and it just holds on that, that image. And you know, especially with your 2022 brain going, normally everything's cut, 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 cut. Yeah. Today, especially, if something holds on a, on one frame for more than like 12 seconds, it's important and they want you to take notice of it. Yeah. Like nothing happens like that anymore. And that's some of my favorite stuff and you see that a lot. And, and now it's, I mean, now it's like that same idea, but it's like if you hold on it for like five seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's just gotten At 12 shorter. is even too generous, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, everything, like, I watched some clips from the new Jurassic World movie, and it was, like, there was an establishing shot that I don't know what it was establishing. It was just people walking in front of the frame, and then it cuts to a close-up of Bryce Dallas Howard talking about something, and then there's a medium shot of her and Chris Pratt at a table talking to a, a guy who's got, like, a an iPad, and he's, like, explaining mm-hmm. something about the plot. And that's what movies are now. It's just, like, it's an excuse to just get out plot information so after a certain point they can show you the dinosaurs yeah. and then you know that's and then they do like the long takes that are stitched together with whip pans it's like whip pan and you can tell that's where they kind of they they would have cut and started up the the next half of the uh, sequence or whatever yeah. like coverage is always something that i've heard is uh, in, in the words of Herzog, he says it's for cowards, you know, and, and uh, Bong Joon-ho says similar things about it. He he doesn't shoot anything he doesn't need. People that work with him have said like, you know, like Ed Harris, who did Snowpiercer with him, was like, that guy knows every shot he's going to do and every one of those shots he does, he's going to use. He's not just shooting coverage. He's not just shooting a master for the sake of a master. If he's shooting a master, it's because it helps further the story. And some guys have that ability. And I really realized that when I was watching uh, Memories or Memoirs of a Murder, mm-hmm. there's this one sequence where it's just something so simple. It's like the camera kind of tracks up and lands on a rear view mirror. It doesn't sound that impressive, but within the context of the sequence, if you were to watch it, the sure-handedness of it feels like early Spielberg. Yeah. He didn't feel like he was just like fire hosing the camera around. He was like, I have these images in my head. I know how to get them. I'm going to get them. And then if I don't have what I need at the end of the day, I don't have it. I'm just going to figure it out after the fact. Yeah, it's not going to rely on masters to carry this. Yeah, it's it's that. I don't know if you get this feeling from it, but when I think of it, it's the only reason that this was shot multiple times is because the previous shot of the same movement was shitty. Yeah. It wasn't because they did a different thing and it didn't work. Right. And now they're doing this. It's because they're trying to get this one thing to go and yeah. work, and they're gonna keep doing it until there, like, there's intention, there's an actual like feeling and humanness. Or they realize they have three scenes back to back that say the same thing in dialogue, so they have to pare down. Because if you, I mean, we've talked about this before, how scenes in movies now are about forty five seconds long. Yeah, there, if you want to see a long scene play out for over a minute, you have to watch like Better Call Saul, which is a television show, and that's how like a lot of the television is nowadays. With right, that, is it's like, like it's more like movie. They kind yeah. of flipped. We're not pioneers to say that. Like no. that's been said since Breaking Bad and like what oh f- whatever the fuck. Yeah. So especially with movies now, it's like it just everything feels like bam, bam, bam. It's like the their vines. It's a sequence of vines, and it's because they don't really 
ever I feel like they never like nail down a script in in a way that they it, that it goes along with the storyboards. Storyboards are in previs and all that's done to okay, this looks cool, great. What's the story beats that are going to get us between this and this and this? Okay, and they work out a couple of scenes that make that work, and then they shoot them, and they realize, well, this... It's like that thing of George Lucas when he's, like... When they're watching the uh, episode one, the first cut, and he's, like... Like, they want to change they, it, they want everything's to cut. so woven in that yeah. they can't. They, they, he's, like, you can't take this out because it gets you to the next thing. So what they have to do is they have to, in order to future-proof themselves against that, they have to shoot a lot of, like, redundant stuff in each scene, and then they end up having to pare down scenes. So you have four scenes that do what one scene would do. But each scene, each of those four scenes is like 45 seconds. And it's all exposition. And it's uh, on either side, it's it's bookended by a dinosaur chase or, you know, uh, you an notice, X-Wing battle or whatever. It, this is going to be like the, like if you go into a DVD menu, the scene selection. Yeah. Like there's like 200 there used to be a fucking 45. pages yeah. of scenes in like, say like a Jurassic World movie. Yeah. But if you go to Jurassic Park, it's 30. 30. Yeah. There's like 30, 32 Ish. scenes. Yeah. And it's uh, each scene has a beginning, middle, and end. It could work as its own short film almost. The sequence of the T-Rex coming through the electric fence, pushing the car off, them thinking they're safe in the tree, the car falling out of the tree, landing, and then them all, all coming together and like, thank God that's over. It, it's its own thing. And yeah. that t- you could burn through five plot beats in the modern one in that time. But but it's not fun. You're not enjoying yourself because, you know, you don't have time to even breathe. But you are enjoying yourself when you're watching the original because you're like, the tension builds when the glass of water is, is vibrating. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the fucking T-Rex's face is pushing down and they're pushing the glass back up. And you can see the whole sequence in your head, you know, yeah. as, as you're thinking about it. And it's like, it's a fucking blast. Laura Dern's sequence of running into the thing to get the power back on and... Spielberg does those things where it's like that that brief moment where you think you're safe. It's like the grab the root moment that I talk about. Uh, I get that from Black Sheep where Chris Farley's falling down a hill for comedic effect because f- 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 fat, Farley fatty fall down. Yeah, and halfway down his uh, halfway of him falling down the hill, he grabs onto a root. He says, "Thank you, little root. Please hold." <laughs> and it snaps, and he falls again. <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's like Indiana Jones. Falls through a hole in the floor, and then he lands. He's like, oh, thank God he's safe. And he looks up, and there's a snake in his face. It's like the Spielberg fake out. Yeah. Out of the frying pan into the fire. It's like yeah. a fucking literary thing. So it's like movies need that where it doesn't feel, where you actually have time to feel the tension, the release, the extreme tension, the thrill, and then the release. And then you're like, and then like the come down. The denouement after that, where it's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Indy going, you know, so long, suckers, and closing the door. <laughs> so long, Liu Kang, or whatever, and they close the door, and it says Liu Kang Airways, or whatever. <laughs> like, just a, a classic comedic beat. It can be used for comedy. It can be used for horror, you know. You can, so, you can get so much mileage out of little things like that. And just they don't, it feels like they don't have time to do that anymore because of the way these things are made. It's just so, yeah. you know. Everything's rushed. Bang, 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 like a fucking machine. Yeah. And you know? <laughs> like, like I mean, I, I know it, we, we talked about this uh, last time with all of Marvel CGI being rushed. And then, like, immediately after the recording, there was a, a release that from oh, their yeah. CGI team that's like, yeah, we're fucking rushed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of like that. I hope and, that those guys unionize. Because yeah. That's the only way they're going to be able to get 
Like, that's the only way the tide's going to turn because the reason they moved away from physical sets and into that is because the set builders' unions cost production companies time and money, yeah. which and I'm not against. I think unions are a good thing, especially when you're dealing with filmmaking. And everything shot on the volume looks like shit, you know? Everything, yeah. like, with the exception of, like, one or two things that Lucasfilm has done with, like, The Mandalorian. Or, like, The Book of Boba Fett didn't look good at all. It looked too, like, sanitized. Yeah. Um, but I think we talked about it last time. The Ring World looked really tight. That actually looked, like, yeah. lived in and stuff. But, I mean, we're having a good time. I don't really want to bring it up. But the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show was just a complete pile of shit. And it just looked empty. It looked like uh, there's these VR experiences you can get for your, like, for there's, like, the Steam VR living space or whatever where yeah. you pick your games and you have like a, a fake room with the TV in it and stuff and you can get you can download other ones if I want to be in the castle from Super Mario 64 or Moss Eisley Cantina and when you get them and you turn around and look in it towards a direction where they don't want you to look and it's just a vast emptiness of they didn't really think to put anything or handcraft anything in there yeah. and that's what everything felt like it's just this big empty sterile Land color, uh, just blech. Yeah. The best that show looked was when they everything were in the looked, cave system. Yeah, everything looked way too staged. Yeah, like and everything does now. Everything with the yeah. stagecraft stuff looks really staged. They don't, there's no like drips and grease, you know, smudges on things. You know how like you look at R two and he's got like grease leaking out of the little bolts and stuff on him. Yeah. Like uh, and like the same thing that like the wall paneling has the, the same thing. You don't see that anymore. It looks like you're in the theme park. Yeah, it looks like you're at Disney. And like the the one thing, the the one scene that kind of hit that home for me was um, when Vader and Obi Wan first encountered each other, and Vader like lights the whole fucking ground on fire. Now him like pulling Obi Wan, <laughs> like him pulling Obi Wan like that that. Script detail is awesome, but the On actual the page, set it would it would it would read cool, but yeah, it looked bad. But it looked bad. Like the the fire was perfectly yeah. rectangular. Like there was no mess about it or no, anything. Yeah. And it's just like this doesn't seem and, realist. Like and he's able. There's to, no realism within yeah. the fantasy. He's able to force push, put out the fire, but then it it lights up again when she shoots it, and he's not able to do that twice. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not able to do that again to get to Obi Wan. It's like. And it's something was goofy about him walking down that street and just choking people out. That kind of looked goofy yeah. too. You know, it looked like you know what it looked like is when you go see the the Waterworld stage show at the theme park. You know what, I, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yes. or like the Indiana Jones stunt show. That's what it felt like. It felt like if I squint, I can kind of see where the guys are getting pulled back by wires. You know, like yeah. it just like the because again, it's just all shot in wide shots. It's all shot in really boring, like it's wide still shots, yeah, or close up shaky cam. camera does, yeah. Oh, oh my god, the shaky cam! I fucking hate shaky cam. It's like, oh, nowadays. Benny Safdie's in a scene. Let's fucking let's give the camera to somebody with fucking Parkinson's. <laughs> like, oh, you've seen Good Time. This is gonna reference that. No, shut the fuck up. No, it's not. Like, you can't just like put a camera in somebody's hands for no reason. It was the calmest scene ever. They're in the, in the middle of the night. I need your help. No, I'm not going to help you. It's a it's a refusal of the cause scene. It'd be like if in Obi Wan's hovel and 
A New Hope when he's telling Luke about his father and he's like, I can't go with you to Alderaan. I can take you as far as Anchorhead. It would be like if they added shaky cam to that. Yeah. It's like there's no dramatic tension here for that to necessitate this. It comes off shitty. This, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Yeah, I it, hate it, it sounds it. shitty, but it, it's this... And it's, it's a problem with other movies, not exclusively to Star Wars, even Marvel. But uh, kind of how we were talking about earlier with like just taking a moment with the wide shot and mm. building a scene. It doesn't have to be as methodical as you were like saying before of like do this here, 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 and then pay off and whatever. It doesn't have to be that methodical, but right. that's the, so it's it's the general. Yeah it's, yeah, it's the general idea. And the the cause of this might be just because everything's so fucking rushed nowadays by producers and studios, but they cheat in just say throwing in a shaky cam. It's just like, Oh, but you're immersed in the action. And yeah. that's, that's the whole selling point is that yeah. you're, you're immersed in the action because it's a POV shaky cam. Yeah. The, and, the shaky cam has to start now because it, it, people compared it to, there's a scene in knives out where they're doing the reading of the will. And, uh, She's uh, Anna de Armas, I think is how you say her name. Yeah. Uh, she's overcome with like, I can't handle this right now. And she has to leave because the whole family is like yelling at her. Yeah. And she walks out of the house and it cuts to an exterior shot and the camera kind of swoops around on a steady cam. And while they were shooting it, the steady cam just like snapped or broke or something malfunctioned with it. Mm-hmm. So they had to do a quick release and grab it and go handheld. And People were like, well, you liked it in that, but you didn't like it in this. It's like, yeah, because that had like a legitimate reason for it happening and they left it in. It's like in Casino when De Niro's like laying down in the bed and Sharon Stone's weeping, bawling her eyes out. And, you know, he lays down in the bed with her and the camera moves on by mistake. And because the performance was so good, they left it in. And for uh, Scorsese to have the balls to do that, to leave like a literal like a cameraman fuck up. Like to where you're aware that there's a cameraman operating the camera, but you're so engrossed in the performance that he said, fuck it, I'm leaving the performance because I trust my actors. Yeah. And I trust this performance. And then this is what's more important. They did the same thing. For the Obi-Wan thing, they just threw a plug in on top of it because they said a gun came through and now it needs to be shaking. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, it's like, it's too sterile. You know what I mean? And the other thing that I was going to say, this is the last thing I'll say about the Obi-Wan show because, again, I don't want to just be incredibly negative. We were having a good time talking about the uh, fucking 1950s and 60s Japanese movies. Um, that's like a better use of our time. But the, they stay, I saw a picture on Twitter. They're still using the 501st, the fans who make their own stormtrooper costumes. Yeah. How many billions of dollars does Disney have? And they can't nut up for a few stormtrooper costumes that they have to keep relying on these sweaty nerds. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, good for them. I'm glad the 501st goes to hospitals and, yeah. and, and and cheers up sick kids and stuff. They do great stuff. I'm, you know, I'm not taking that away from them. But, and, you know, maybe it's just nice for them. Maybe that's their Disney's way of saying, but but it's, it's way too generous of a read for a cynical-ass company to be like, you know, ah, we don't got to spend money on getting these suits made. They are, these fucking nerds already got them made. Look at these guys. They show up. We don't even have to pay them. They're just happy to be there. They take a picture next to Ewan and... He signs a couple things and he leaves a couple voicemails, says hello there on their answering machine. And all of a sudden, 
you know, yeah, we got so that's fucking that, you know, that's like that's like uh, two hundred grand off the budget, you know. That's that's gonna go right back into Johnny Fav's pockets, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> like, why, why don't we you know, just do that, you know? Uh, so I get where that is, but I'm like, that's, that's such a cynical ass move to be like, yeah, we're still gonna use the nerds. I remember when they did the Mandalorian, they tried to play it off like, oh, we didn't have time, like, uh, you know, we're so surprised. Oh my god, wait, we own Star Wars? We got to make a Star Wars? Oh god, I guess. Wait, Doc, are you telling me it's eight fifteen? You know, like I gotta make a Star Wars show in thirty minutes. You know, I guess I gotta call up the guy. So, you know, it was cute back then. Now it's like you've had enough time to make stormtrooper outfits. Come on, like yeah. get get your shit together. You know, but that's that's put some work to the people that need the job. Yeah, like the, you all some, but once again, union costume artists. Yeah, that's they don't want to pay those guys. Because they charge a little more, you know, they want to cut as many corners as they can, and it's showing. And the unfortunate thing is, like what I said last time, as long as there are people doing soy face in the YouTube thumbnails with headphones on that say, you know, my reaction to the the new logo for uh, the new solo TV show being released or whatever the fuck, as long as those things exist, these franchises will be held hostage by those idiots. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll be always be held hostage and held back by those kids. So, I mean, th- again, that's why I've been retreating into the Criterion Collection because it's like, you know, I need to start somewhere. I Again, I'm a dumb guy. I <laughs> I have to have something curated for me. If I go try to find, I'm not going to go on Reddit and read some blog post about like, you know, my favorite movies. Is do it. I'm not going to read people's letterboxes because yeah, no. yeah that's I, I don't care about that. I just like, I like the, I like the closet picks. On YouTube, you can go see like, oh, I'm gonna see what uh, like Bill Hader picked as his ten movies or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the Safdie brothers picked their ten movies. Ari Aster picks his ten movies. And what's and, cool about like yeah. Criterion too is just, I mean, they started out mostly just as a restoration company where there yeah. was some of these, not not some, a lot of these films that were like lost to history. They were basically. going extinct. They were going yeah. extinct, and they restored them and like put them just on modern yeah. fucking devices, and. That like that's something that just I appreciate of it. Like I mean, obviously they they've switched to that now to like okay. releasing Criterion for modern movies like Parasite. Right. Like yeah, that's yeah, never yeah. going to go extinct, right? Of course. Um, but I mean, they're going to do it anyway because it's like the QT thing. That's now it's become more of an appreciation yeah. if you have the Criterion stamp on it. Like I don't yeah. think any Marvel movie is going to get the Criterion I stamp. See that happening? No, I don't see. That I don't think there's ever. a single Spielberg movie, old or new, on there. Um, yeah, there's no, if any, if the, I would imagine maybe, maybe Jaws might at some point would have gotten it, but, or Close Encounters or maybe E.T. or something like yeah. that. But it would have to be something really old, early, like before Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's nothing by Lucas on there. Um, he had the reason Kurosawa had a career into the seventies and eighties is because of Spielberg, Lucas and Coppola. They went to, I think it was Fox, and said, you know, you need to finance whatever this guy wants to make because he's aging out. He wants to still do a couple. He's got a couple of movies left in him he wants to do. Yeah. And you'd be doing the world a disservice by not. That's where we got, like, uh, Ran, I think is. I don't know if it's Ron or Ran, but it's, like, one of the most beautiful, uh, you know, color movies. Like, the use of color in that movie is fucking amazing. Um that's another one on my list that I want to get. There's just a shot of a guy walking away from a temple and the temple's just going up in flames and it's real flames and a real temple. And it's just this wide shot 
where you know they couldn't cheat it with we'll do a close-up here and we'll shoot this coverage and then we'll have some lights shaking over here so it looks like flames and stuff. And no, it's like the, it's on fire and they have like a couple of takes to do this and that's it. The flames are like just churning out of this building. They shoot this guy's performance and the performance is also like just as good. Yeah. And um, yeah, the reason we have those is because of those guys. So I, they do have their fingerprints on some of the Criterion things, but I don't think we'd ever see, like... The only one I could see... Straight release. Yeah, Lucas, the only ones I could ever see getting in there would be Graffiti or THX. One of those yeah. two would be the only two. And that's, like, half of his filmography <laughs> right there. Like, he's only ever done a couple things. But, yeah, like, what's funny, though, about what you said about the modern movies, like, I'm glad that modern movies are ex- as accessible as they are, but, like, last night, like I said, we were watching Gatsby. And Caitlin owns The Great Gatsby on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of it, all of a sudden, everything goes all chippy. It's like it's all fuzzy because it's buffering because it's what? yeah, it's like store because she got she has it on iTunes. So she's playing it off of because whenever you own something, even digitally, mm-hmm. you're playing it off of a server. It's not like you download the movie and you have internal storage that the movie's downloaded to. Yeah. It's strictly coming from a server. So it's iTunes streaming. It's it, every, and All of iTunes is streaming. What I'm saying yeah. is she owns the movie outright. She yeah. has the rights to watch that movie whenever she wants. She doesn't have to pay for it again. She paid full price for it, uh, comparable to what a DVD would cost. Mm-hmm. But it still is going to stream because that's the way iTunes does it. They don't give you the download when you buy something. I see. Same okay. thing with Amazon. They don't give you a download um, I don't believe so. I think they give you an SD download and mm-hmm. then it'll go fuzzy until it buffers back up to 4K. And when I'm watching these Criterion movies, it's, I mean, it's beautiful the entire time. Yeah. It's in just gorgeous 4K Blu-ray or even the DVDs are not terrible. Like there's, you the, this, the, the quality in, uh, you know, at worst 35 millimeter film is still, better than most digital cameras that came out like five years ago. Yeah. You know? And that's why, um, like I, have started a while ago, uh, outside of, I mean, outside of criterions, I've been buying criterions for a few years, mm. but just owning movies outright because I don't want to have to go through that with movies. Cause I know with Blu-ray, especially nowadays is they have the ability to, hook up to that server yeah, and stream it kind right. of like, I know they're doing it with, I know they've done it with the previews where it's like, so this way that when you watch the movie, you get current previews of movies instead of old dated yeah. ones, um, which I kind of like. There's a charm to that. Yeah. Like on all the Disney, like the old Disney movies, you're when you rush see, hour like, and you yeah. see a preview for the tuxedo with Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's charming. Yeah. About it. Um, so I can see them like even just with current Blu-rays to have that streaming capability or whatever, but I would still like it that I have a physical copy that like that is the movie and yeah. I can just play it and it'll be great looking the entire way through. Cause even on Netflix, HBO and Disney plus and all that, like I still get buffering. Yeah. You're going to get, it's going to go fuzzy halfway through. And then yeah. it's going to catch up and it'll be fine. But you'll have a few moments where it looks grainy. It'll look worse than a VHS that you had when you were a kid, yeah. you know, for a, <laughs> a couple of minutes. And what's cool about the Criterion stuff, too, is there's no trailers in the beginning. It goes straight into the menu. 
Yeah. There's like, it, there's not even a splash screen. There's like, there's not even a, or even just like re-releases of old movies. Like I have uh, Casablanca on yeah. just a regular DVD. It goes straight to the main yeah. menu. Yeah. Cause it's not like, you know, coming soon from Buena Vista Entertainment yeah. <laughs> or whatever the Disney ones were when you were a kid on VHS, which again, there's a charm to that. There's a place for that, uh, for that experience. But I mean, yeah, I like the, I like the Blu-rays, even the non-criterion ones, like the 4k. I just got the special edition of the thing, uh, mm-hmm. which there's two discs and there's the second one just has like every interview that anybody ever did regarding the thing yeah. uh, on it and uh, a couple of behind the scenes on the making of the special effects, which is fucking awesome. And how many times have you just watched the thing over and over again after like between each of the special effects? Oh, I've seen the thing probably. That's like probably the second move, the second most watched movie of my life. Like I've seen that movie more times than I can count. I just, this is one that you can keep watching and it's always incredible. I watch yeah. it like at least once a year. I can't get enough of that fucking thing. And it's because it's like, I mean, John Carpenter is incredible. I can also watch In the Mouth of Madness the similar way. Like the both those movies are just like, you know, I can't get enough. They Live, I can also watch over and over again. But the thing is like, it takes me back. I mean, we used to rent it like every week. My, my buddies and I, when we were in high school, we'd go to Blockbuster. We'd look around, poke around, poke around. And finally, we'd just go, the thing? The thing. <laughs> and we'd sit and watch the thing again. Like it, it, it was, it was like at least biweekly we would end up watching that th- uh, that over and over again. And it is a guy movie or whatever, but you know, it's just it's one of those like again one location perfect movies yeah. where it's simple, stripped down. It's just about the it's it's about the story. Um, it's about family, <laughs> and that's what's so powerful about it. My friend, my uh, my uh, I have a group of friends that I. There's the thing board game, which I want to play that perfectly was translated from the movie yeah. into a board game. Right. And that was the most, it, it, <laughs> it felt like being, yeah, cause you're in just a room like the family. It's just like, it, like we're already in a room and it's just us. The lights are dark and we're like one of fucking cutthroat at each other. Lying. Yeah. yeah it's like we're cutthroat at yeah. each other and it's like, Oh, it's probably like that game werewolf that, uh, it's like, yeah, it's that on steroids. Yeah. Um, and they have little game pieces where you can be McCready or whatever his name is. Yeah, and like there, there'll be like random shit it's happens. Like it's Kurt Russell. It is what it is. It's Kurt Russell. And it's like, oh, did is this area of the board on fire because someone fucked up, or was that an on purpose sabotage? Yeah. Am I tied to a chair with a guy whose head is splitting open and, <laughs> and, and teeth and tongues are coming out and whipping everywhere? The, the effects of that movie are so fucking good. They still hold up, man. Yeah. Like Anything said, handmade. Yeah, it's 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 hard to it's it's, hard, it's hard to get that stuff to hold up well even on the big screen. But when it when it does, man, it's 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 all in how you shoot it too. It's how you light it. It's how you shoot it. It's like yeah, that, you know, it's, that's with, it's always more scary when it's like with everything just out of folk, just out of frame. You know, um, that's why I hated the second it movie so much is because it's like they just have everything evenly lit <laughs> just in broad daylight you know? you're talking about like the reboot yeah it chapter two the first one was tight but it, it was all jump scary and so that guy that muchetti andy muchetti guy is really talented that movie mama is so scary <laughs> it is it's a it, as much as i don't like jessica chastain because she was in that zero dark 30 piece of shit <laughs> that's a that's one of the worst movies ever made um just from a just from a historical accuracy standpoint, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, and it, it's just this, 
I wouldn't. I don't know if, if hagiographical applies to an event as opposed to just a person. Hagiography is usually reserved for like a, you know, a, a, a shining biography of a person that ignores all the bad facts. But if it can apply to an event as well, that fits the bill right there. <laughs> um, it's not. It's not. It's not an honest and good faith reporting of the events. It's very much like a. See, torture works. <laughs> like, the movie. And I, I don't know how she, like, sits with herself, like, having been a part. Of, anyway, that's a fucking tangent and a half. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she, I hate her. And I love Mama. That movie fucking rules. You know, she's trying her best with these goddamn stupid kids. Because uh, she's, at that point, she's like a stepmom. And, you know, so she's doing her best. But... Um, that that creature design at the end there, that, that guy who they get to play the monsters, the really weirdly tall guy. Yeah, he's fucking so scary looking. <laughs> he's got those weird long fingers. And I've got to say that like monster design, I mean it just came with the times, but like monster design has gotten so much fucking better. Yeah, yeah, imagination because you got to like keep reinventing the. Yeah, I follow a couple concept artists on Twitter, and it's like the stuff those guys come up with. And I think things that push the envelope are like uh, when different cultures come up with different stuff. There's stuff that yes. are in like uh, in Je- those Japanese Dark Souls and st- games and stuff that kind of meld uh, oh. these freakish, weird Lovecraftian designs with old Gothic uh, like knights suits and armor and all that. They just kind of mash all that stuff together. And they don't make it look, like, gross with maggots and whatever. Yeah. They make it look, like, oddly beautiful and, like, like weirdly, like, compelling to the point where, like, you want to know what the story is behind. It doesn't just look like a, a guy's chest exploded and there's yeah. fucking tentacles coming out of it. It actually looks like... It's like it enthralls you a little bit yeah. before it shows you the horror. Which yeah, it's horrify it horrifies you, but you want to know why. Yeah. And why it is the way it is. Why he's why does this dragon that has like a little teeny tiny thing that looks like a head, and then you find out that its chest it's it is actually its mouth and it opens up and it's like, Oh, that's how it like uh, it's got a it's got a logic to it. It's like, oh, that's how it hunts. It it lures prey in because it the little thing that's above the surface of the water looks like a prey animal. And when it goes to get a little taste, that's when the mouth comes out and gets it or whatever. Yeah. Or there's these little things called basilisks, and they have these grotesque, bulbous-looking eye-type things. Um, but when you get close to them, you realize those eyes are actually sacks filled with poison, and their eyes are like little beady eyes down beneath them. Mm-hmm. And they're to, to like scare off like uh like predator predator animals or whatever. Yeah. It's like there's a logic to the biology of these things. Um and that's you you get that a lot with like again, like different cultures interpretations of their own folklore and stuff. You know, there's only so many different ways we can do a skinwalker or a bigfoot yeah. or whatever before it's like all right, what what's what are the other countries up to? And what it's always when on? like they they just branch out beyond the western european. Yeah. Like dragons, like when they get away from dragons and the fucking like universal monsters and shit like that. The modern stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's when it starts to get more interesting. Because I mean, like just from a cultural standpoint, it's ingrained in us for our fucking whole lives. And it's something that we've seen brand new that we're not familiar with. Yeah. Um, So we're just going to be naturally attracted to it. For sure. 
Yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, that's our hour, man. But uh, yeah. Anything anyway. Till next time. <laughs>